Chapter One of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dale Grothman. One minute after the regular report call from the planet Eden was overdue, the communications operator summoned his superior. His finger hesitated over the key reluctantly. Then he gritted his teeth and pressed it down. The supervisor came boiling out of his cubicle, half running down the long aisle between the forty operators, hunched over their panels. "'What is it? What is it?' he quarreled, even before he came to a stop. "'Eden's due. Overdue.' The operator tried to make it laconic, but it came out sullen. The supervisor rubbed his forehead with his knuckles and punched irritably at some buttons on the astro-calculator. An up-to-the-second star map lit up the big screen at the end of the room. He didn't expect there to be any occlusions to interfere with the communications channel. The astrophysicists didn't set up reporting schedules to include such blunders. But he had to check. There weren't. He heaved a sigh of exasperation. Trouble always had to come on his shift, never anybody else's. Lazy colonists probably neglected to check in on time, he rationalized cynically to the operator. He rubbed his long nose and hoped the operator would agree that's all it was. The operator looked skeptical instead. Eden was still under the first five-year test. Five-year experimental colonists were arrogant. They were zany. They were a lot of things, some unprintable which qualified them for being test colonizers and nothing else, apparently. They were almost as much of a problem as the extrapolators. But they weren't lazy. They didn't forget. Some fool ship's captain has probably messed up communications by inserting a jump band of his own, the supervisor hopefully tried out another idea. Even to him it sounded weak. A jump band didn't last more than an instant, and no ship captain would risk his license by using the E-frequency anyway. He looked hopefully down the long room at the bent heads of the other operators at their panels. None was signaling an emergency to draw him away from this, give him an excuse to leave in the hope the problem would have solved itself by the time he got back to it. He chewed on a knuckle and stared angrily at the operator, who was sitting back, relaxed, looking at him, waiting. "'You're sure you turned to the right frequency for Eden?' the supervisor asked irritably. "'You sure your equipment is working?' The operator pulled a wry mouth, shrugged, and didn't bother to answer with more than a nod. He allowed a slight expression of contempt for supervisors who ask silly questions to show. He caught the surreptitious wink of the operator at the next panel, behind the supervisor's back. The disturbance was beginning to attract attention. In response to the wink, he pulled the dogged expression of unjustly nagged employee over his features. "'Well, why don't you give Eden an alert, then?' the supervisor muttered savagely. "'Blast them out of their seats. Make them get off their... their pants out there.' The operator showed an expression which plainly said it was about time and reached over to press down the emergency key. He held it down. Eleven light-years away, if one had to depend upon the impossibly slow three-dimensional space-time, 
a siren which could be heard for ten miles in eden's atmosphere should be blaring the supervisor stood and watched while he transferred the gnawing at his knuckles to his fingernails he waited with apprehensive satisfaction for some angry colonists to come through and scream at them to turn off that unprintable phrased siren he braced himself and worked up some choice phrases of his own to scream back at the colonist for neglecting his duty getting extrapolation headquarters here on earth all worked up over nothing he wondered if he dared threaten to send an extrapolator out there to check them over he decided the threat would have no punch an e would pay no attention to his recommendation he knew it and the colonists knew it too he began to wonder what excuse the colonists would have just wanted to see if you home office boys were on your toes the insolent colonist would drawl probably something like that he hoped the right words wouldn't fail him but there was no response to the siren lock the key down he told the operator keep it blasting until they wake up he looked down the room and saw that a couple of the near operators were now frankly listening get on with your work he said loudly pay attention to what you're recording it was enough to cause several more heads to raise now 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 he chattered at the room at large this is nothing to concern the rest of you just a delayed report that's all haven't you ever heard of a delayed report before he shouldn't have asked that because of course they had it was like asking a mountain climber if he had ever felt a taut rope over the razor edge of a precipice suddenly go slack but there's nothing any of you can do he said he tried to cover the plaintive note by adding and if you louse up your own messages but he had threatened them so often that there was no longer any menace he spent the next ten minutes hauling out the logs of eden to see if they'd ever been tardy before the logs covered two and a fraction of years two years and four months the midget digit scanner didn't pick up a single symbol to show that eden had been more than two seconds off schedule the first year daily the second year weekly and now monthly there wasn't a single hiccup from the machine to kick out an extrapolator signal to watch for anything unusual eden heretofore had presented as much of an auteur problem as an iowa cornfield you're really sure your equipment is working he asked again as he came back to stand behind the operator's chair they haven't answered yet the operator shrugged again it was pretty obvious the colonists hadn't answered and what should he do about it go out there personally and shake his finger at them naughty naughty well why don't you bounce a beam on the planet's surface to see the supervisor grumbled i want to see an echo i want to see for myself you haven't let your equipment go sour or maybe there's a space hurricane between here and there or maybe a booster has blown or maybe some star has exploded and warped things maybe well bounce it man bounce it what are you waiting for okay okay the operator grumbled i was waiting for you to give the order he grimaced at the operator behind the supervisor i can't just go bouncing beams on planets if i happen to be in the mood now 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 no insubordination if you please the supervisor cautioned together they waited in growing dread for the automatic relays strung out through space to take hold 
automatically calculating the route, set up the required space jump bands. It was called instantaneous communication, but that was only relative. It took time. The supervisor was frowning deeply now. He hated to report to the sector chief that an emergency had come up, which he couldn't handle. He hated the thought of extrapolators poking around in his department, upsetting the routines, asking questions he'd already asked. He hated the forethought of the admiration he'd see in the eyes of his operators when an E walked into the room, the eagerness with which they'd respond to questions, the thrill of merely being in the same room. He hated the operators in advance for giving freely of admiration to an E that they withheld from him. He allowed himself the momentary secret luxury of hating all extrapolators. Once upon a time, when he was a kid, he had dreamed of becoming an E. What kid hadn't? He'd gone further than a wish. He'd tried. And been rebuffed. Clinging to the established scientific beliefs, the tester had told him with the inherent, inescapable superiority of a man trying to be kind to a lesser intelligence. He is like being afraid of jumping off a precipice in full confidence that you'll think of something to save yourself before you hit the bottom. It might or might not have been figurative, but he allowed himself the pleasure of wishing the tester would try it. To accept what eminent authority says as true, the tester had continued kindly, wouldn't even qualify you for being a scientist. Although, he added hopefully, this would not bar you from an excellent career in engineering. It was a bitter memory of failure, for if you disbelieved what science said was true, where were you? And if it might not be true, why was it said? Even now he shuddered at the chaos he would have to face, live with, no certainties on which to stand. He washed the memory out of his thoughts and concentrated on the flashing pips that chased themselves over the operator's screen. There was nothing wrong with the equipment, nothing wrong with the communications channels between Eden and Earth. Blasted colonists, the supervisor muttered. Instead of a beam on their planet, I'd like to bounce a rock on their heads. I'll bet they've let all the sets at their end get out of order. He knew that was a foolish statement even if the operator's face hadn't told him so. Any emergency colonist, man or woman, and there were fifty of them on Eden, could build a communicator. That was regulation. You sure there haven't been any emergency calls from them? He asked the operator with sudden suspicion. You're not covering up some neglect in not notifying me. If you're covering up, you'd better tell me now. I'll find out. It'll all come out in the investigation, and... The operator turned around and looked at him levelly. He looked him over, with contempt, from bald head to splayed feet. Then he coolly turned his back. There was a limit to just how much a man could stand, even to hold a job at the E headquarters. It was about time the supervisor got somebody with brains into the job. The sector chief should be called immediately. Supervisors were supposed to have enough brains to think of something so obvious as that. That much brains, at least. End of chapter one of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. Read by Dale Grothman.